system. I find you in the shoes and moving a great and being enough. The scientist comes everywhere you go. Na 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 na. I like the dance more. Than, the song is good, but I liked the dance even more than the song, which unfortunately everyone else is going to miss out on. But I got to, I got to see it. So. Yeah. Speaking of the office, welcome back to design system office hours podcast. How are you doing PJ? I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. I wish you could see my hat. What does it say on my hat? It says Photoshop. Photoshop. It says... It says Figma. Xdema. Mm, Xdema. Yeah, that sounds like a skin condition right there. Big XD. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a skin condition in probably the next fiscal quarter or so. Oh, yeah. Once yeah. that merger actually drops. Yeah, so we realized that through our, I think we're at episode 35 now, believe it or not, uh, we haven't talked about components much and building, building of components, who builds them, who maintains them, that that sort of jazz. And yeah, I thought it was ample time uh, considering that my job has led me into a path of being a, uh, a wizard, some might say. Like John Wall. <laughs> who, who would say who would say that you're a wizard? I'm the John Wall of Figma. If anyone knows of the Washington Wizards, great. I'm going deep. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Yeah. But yeah, we've um I think during my year at, at Meta, uh there's been uh, a few major uh, initiatives that I've been I've been tied to. Um one of them that I that I spoke about in the past was a refactoring a component library uh, that was previously um, generated from code in, in React. So um, the, f- the first phase of this last year was merely just fixing of components. So uh, I would say maintenance of our design system components in, in Figma, uh, making sure uh, with, with linting tools, obviously, uh, that things are mapped to the right uh, color primitives, type primitives, uh, and then fixing certain bugs that we had, um, in, in our components. And, uh, I think it, it was an interesting exercise. Uh, and I, and I say this because there's only two of us, uh, that primarily do this sort of work on our team. We have eight designers on, on our team this year. We've been focusing on riffing off of those, uh, those components in, in support of a new, a new theme, a new visual language. So while we were updating the visual language and the the primitives under the hood, uh, we took a stab at simplifying components based on uh, user feedback. So uh, making sure that we're hitting on the right uh, component uh, component properties, uh, making sure that things are aligned uh, from a documentation point of view, uh, from a coded co- component point of view to a Figma component point of view. Uh, but then also um, focusing on seeing if we could simplify things, uh, simplifying, uh, usage of components and, uh, how, how that presentation shows. So, uh, I think, uh, coming from Disney streaming and going from a designer to manager role, I, I got a little bit out of that, but then, uh, at Meta, I got, uh, 
pulled right back in. So <laughs> just uh, a little bit about whom does this on your team, PJ. I wanted to understand in terms of just day-to-day uh, component maintenance and creation of components, um, who are the folks that manage that sort of stuff at Pinterest? Everyone. By every designer. Sorry, let me clarify. So there were there were times in the past where that work was strictly handled by a production designer. We've we've done that. We stopped. We did it again. We've stopped again. There's pros and cons to both. But right now, everyone, and including myself, even though I've made it back into the foray of of management, I'm still doing some some component work as well. I think it's important to understand how to how to put components together and to to ensure that you have some keep one foot in that in that door to make sure that you are creating things that can be used and are usable uh, it's very easy to make a component it can be quite difficult to make a component that isn't a complete hell to use and i think that's that's the big differentiating factor yeah i remember like one of our web engineer is saying like uh, at Disney, like you can make anything a component, right? You can, in, in React, you could wrap any bullshit as a, as a component. It could be anything under the hood. And um, I, th- I think that was a little bit telling um, towards, uh, you know, how designers may be designing things. And yes, in Figma, it's very easy to do. It's really easy to make uh, components. Uh, I think the, tying it back to, to reality and what that actually means in code, I think is a completely different thing. And especially um, with the story of coming into a design system that is over three years old with React components that are possibly a little older than that. Uh, it was completely different than being at Disney where I was creating these components uh, from scratch and with my heart and the best interest in mind. I think it's been a little more difficult to uh, work within constraints of how things have previously been built. And then I think also like, this is a note. I feel like this is a very, uh, very big Nathan, Nathan Curtis type episode. Cause we're hitting on a lot of stuff that he was written, but our system is very much composed of smaller uh, pieces. Uh, so colors, typography, more um, molecular size components. I would say a lot of buttons, like list cells, uh, parts of tables, those sorts of things. And it's very subcomponent based, which was very much the opposite of how things were at Disney, where at Disney we would create screens. Uh, so, and, and we've talked about how that may have been a waste of time. Uh, but then we evolved to creating templates uh, and composed versions of best case scenario, what the screen would look like. And there was a move towards subcomponents. Uh, so I understood how that could uh, be very flexible for something like a product detail page. But I never really got there until um, recently um, coming here. My concern is if you stay in the subcomponent, like the, 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 the lower la- layers, there's, there's a ceiling of return um, in terms of just the amount of efficiency that you can gain as opposed to some big meaty chunk of the, of the screen that your, <laughs> that your system is covering. Uh, that's going to save exponential amounts of time. And there's obviously you have to make you know a decent amount of subcomponents to get to that meaty part of the screen. But but that's always been our goal is to not call it a day once we get the itty bitty components and say our job is done. But is to say this is a stepping stone towards things that are bigger, more opinionated, more turnkey, 
not that teams can't make their own thing if they want to, but it's going to be a serious decision as to whether you want to absorb the amount of effort it takes to make that thing versus using the thing that just is ready to rock, uh, out, out the gate. So that's been our goal. Yeah. That's like the perfect thought on what, what I'm thinking is, uh, we, we've, we've dove super deep into the subcomponents and we've made it. So engineers, if they have even a small level of understanding of the system, uh, because the documentation is, pretty good from the engineering side, I would say they could compose anything they want. And that's sort of the ideas that we are not infinitely, but we are near infinitely flexible with the combination of different subcomponents. But the problem is, is if you're a designer and you're looking to build a left-hand navigation, all you see are the subcomponents. What are you going to do, right? Play devil's advocate do you want people to be able to make anything or do you want them to make the thing that adheres to the best practices and standards that, that you're defining? I very firmly land on the ladder because I I do think design systems should have a point of view. And I think that they should reflect uh, the quickest path towards the ideal experience. So in many regards, we're trying to avoid that flexibility. We don't want people to make anything we want people to make the things that we think are going to lead to the best outcomes that we work with, with product teams to define, but saying, Hey, you can do anything, including all these things that are just absolutely horrible decisions. <laughs> doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like it benefits anyone to be honest. Yeah. And then go, going back to our, uh, we, we just uh, released our governance episode. So who knows when this will be, maybe it'll be fall by the time this one uh, drops. But the, I think what bites us a little bit is, by creating that flexibility, there's combinations of things that were never meant to be together. And those get sussed out further along in the process. And uh, when we do provide feedback uh, that, oh, this was never meant, uh, a four button lockup was never meant to be you know, put together. Two primary buttons are never meant to be put together. Well, if it doesn't say that you can't do that in the documentation, or we don't provide an example of this header, folks are going to do, you know, do as they please. So the, there's, there's a fine line with building enough that is uh, constrained. So designers could get, get started. And I hate this term sticker sheet. I hate it because I think it minimizes like what the system is. And I think when people think of sticker sheet, they think of just the, the UI kit, um, yeah. approach. Yeah. I like to think of, uh, sticker sheets as, you know, compositions of common practice examples of X, Y, Z. So maybe on the sticker sheet, you could see different examples of like a left-hand nav or different examples of how uh, different modals may be rendering. I, for what it's worth, we didn't see a lot of usage. We used to have those uh, and we didn't see a lot of usage of them. Quantitatively, we, we were able to access logs and they just weren't used. So you, the, the folks wanted to get right into the work, meaning they're in their own design file and they're pulling components in from typically the assets panel. And that's that. So to that end, it's also worth determining whether folks are even using that, that sticker sheet or, or that research resource, because if they're not, then you got to ask yourself why it exists in the first place. And I can't speak for, your company, I can only speak for for Pinterest on that on that topic. 
it's so fascinating. It's like a cultural thing, I feel like. And like, that's why I love talking to you about this stuff, EJ, where I feel here at Meta, it's very popular where people like to open, like uh, I see people just in my library file, just browsing. Hmm. Uh, and it, it does sometimes cause me a little bit of anxiety. So what I do is I turn it back on them and then I follow them and I see what they're, <laughs> what they're looking at. <laughs> I didn't see it going that way. All right. Okay. Go on. It's like, you're watching me. I'll watch, I'll watch you and I'll see where you're hovering. But anywho, uh, people like to browse and I feel like it's, um, the entry point for our components. Uh, I'll take a step back and explain. Uh, I think a common entry point is via the assets panel. So that's, you know, organization agnostic. That's a, a way that you would access, uh, Figma component libraries. People love to open the library and just browse and see see what that is. Uh, an alternative is if there is a product specific sticker sheet, or if there is like a deeper dive into different variations of these components somewhere else. Folks share that file like uh, like it's just ice cream. And the where where this is going is that what what we're finding is because we're not providing. Um, enough composed layouts or things that um, other teams need to use, they're creating different versions of these files with our components and then saying that they're, uh, they're from us or they're approved by us because they're using uh, like our type, our type ramp and our uh, color primitive. So, wow. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're, we are taking the diametrically opposed approach, which is anything that, is denoting usage or, or how to compose things. We're trying to move that towards the documentation for a couple reasons. A, we don't want, we want to throw all of our effort in terms of institutionalizing knowledge into our docs. So if we're keeping a sticker sheet up to date, that just means we're throwing time into that as opposed to our docs. That's first piece. Secondly, engineers are not looking at those Figma files and we think, we think showing how uh, experiences are composed are just important for engineers to see as designers. So the docs, the docs are a place where anyone can access, so even you know product managers, anyone. So once it's in Figma, you have you have just cut your customer base down <laughs> by a huge amount because I don't know if if it's the same place where you work, but there's a hell of a lot more engineers than designers. So they're not going to view those files. So, so you're cutting your audience down pretty significantly. So uh, that's where we're trying to move towards. Not that we have sticker sheets within our docs. We don't, but we do cover topics such as composition, how things, uh, how elements are laid out on the screen. We just think it's a better place within the docs than in Figma. And, and we're trying to avoid the whole perusing and browsing of uh, Figma files. And we, we didn't really have to do much work. We looked at the logs and simply was not used. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and so it just made the, it just made the case for us. Uh, but irregardless, we still would have tried to move in that direction because we don't, we simply don't have the resources to keep Figma sticker sheets up to date, Figma libraries up to date and documentation up to date. We have to really focus in on uh, the core vectors towards using the system and throw all our weight at those. I have an alternate point of view. Do it. Send it. But let me walk through like this some of some of the process. And let me walk through some of the process of how I was doing some of this work. And I and I documented this uh in the event that um 
we had gotten contractors, which we did to help us. Like, this is a playbook of how we were building stuff. So, yeah, our, our docs is, I would say, if you were to point to a source of truth, let's say the docs is a source of truth. It's the the hub. It has the coded components, which is the real source of truth, right? Um, the coded components, you could um, swap themes on them. So you could see the uh, legacy theme. You could see the future theme that we're going to. Any experiments uh, that we're running, uh, you'd be able to uh, possibly see those if you were you were opted in. But there's coded uh, when I, when I mentioned just um, like React examples. So uh, there's tons of composed uh, React examples for say uh, input, right? Uh, so input like we would compose a code example of the different error states, uh, maybe inputs with drop down menus with tooltips. So the the first thing to do was to ensure that if there's a coded composed example, I need to go make that in Figma. And I need to make sure that the Figma component can actually compose this. And when I say that it it composes this, uh, I'm matching the anatomy of this almost, almost one-to-one. So that was the first thing. So and when it, when I say sticker sheet, like in this example now, what we were doing is this: we would create um, instead of creating variants of all of these things, which would make the menu huge, I would discompose these different examples next to the main component in a frame in the in the library. So it's not a separate file. Um, we did used to have a separate sticker sheet file, which I think no one used either. <laughs> but it's I think it's very important. Um, at least uh, something that I've learned here is understand composition and how these things are composed. So like if an input box uh, in code in your React component has a header component, has maybe a base input field component, has a text component, has an error component, I better make sure that I build it the same way over there in Figma. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they there should be a one-to-one. And I mean... We we are not at this place yet, so I'll just when I say it should be like this, I am not suggesting that if it's not this way, y'all are dummies. But ideally, the props in the React or the attributes, whatever, should be matched within Figma. So if you call it one thing one place, you should probably call it the same damn thing in another place. We have plenty of we have plenty of issues where we need to clean that thing up, but that is that is ultimately the goal is that. Okay, I may not understand this thing now, but uh, I've used a, a word that is commonly associated across the system. So now I can, once I learn that, I can have a I can have a cogent conversation with an engineer, and we're saying the same thing. As opposed to, I am vehemently against the call it one thing in one place for designers because they'll understand it more immediately. Call it something different for engineers because again, short term win, they get it more easily. But long term, they're they're having a conversation and they're talking past each other because they're using different words and no one understands what they're doing. I would much rather take that short term hit of comprehension uh, and help educate folks so that that designer and engineer, when they talk about how to implement this thing, they're using the same language. I think the benefit, the biggest benefit uh, that we had with the uh, generation of components originally from React to Figma was that it held those props. Ding, ding, ding. That was great. That that, that gave us uh, a huge head start. It did a bunch of other stuff, like it, like fucked up auto layout. Uh, it, 
like D-linked styles. But it, it gave us the props, and uh, we've been working uh, as those props have changed. We've been making sure that uh, we're aligning them one to one. So, like what PJ is saying is like if it in in code it says has label, then we should make it say has label in in Figma. Yeah, not uh, no brainer. Um, if it says uh, is label is label hidden, which is the opposite. Okay, sure. Let's uh, we'll do we'll do that as well. So, uh, really trying to eliminate any. Um, ambiguity uh from from that end uh and i i think that that's sort of like a, a big win and we've been documenting the props uh both uh in a table inside figma so people can when they click in they could see and get a quick uh understanding of how this thing is built uh, but we also have a table in our documentation and one thing that uh back to nathan curtis uh he has that eight shapes specs tool in, in figma the plugin that you could use and generate these beautiful specs. So you could now do them for nearly uh, no effort almost at all. Um, so there's really no reason not to um, start moving in this direction. I haven't used that plugin. Would love to hear more about that. Maybe not in this episode, but I would like to hear more about that. Uh, one thing that drives me nuts about Figma is why can't we provide descriptions for component variants and properties? Like every property, why can't you explain what this thing does in the properties panel when people are using the friggin' thing as opposed to like, I don't know what this is. Let me open up another file to try to read what this is like. Come on. Uh, that seems like a clear one. I'm not suggesting that it's necessarily easy in terms of how to fit that within the properties panel, but that would be a huge win in terms of providing context when people need it which is they're trying to use the friggin' thing and they don't know how to use it. Yeah. I, yeah, I may be tripping. So I thought that there is a way, at least from the component level, uh, I, it used to be, I think in the properties panel, cause I, I remember I would write a description. Uh, this button is the Davy button. And then I could place an instance of it and I could see it saying that in the properties menu, but now it's gotten moved to the inspect panel, which designers wouldn't use. And I think you could do it at the component or the variant level, but I'm talking about at the property level. So like has text, like there's a toggle. Okay, what the what the hell does that mean? Can I just see at the property level? Now, theoretically, I, I'm i guessing someone say, well, you can throw that in the description. Okay, great. Now you got, you know, 10 paragraphs of documentation when you just want to see what the has text property uh, means. And that, that would be... That would be where I would like to go is is to have is to have that granularity of 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 context and guidance that theoretically you could map to documentation so that when you're writing the documentation you can pull that in and if you map the props the the Figma properties to the React props or whatever you know whatever attribute for whatever platform you can map those uh, you can bind those those values to properties I would love that. Because I think that's the kind of contextual guidance that folks uh, would really find helpful. Yeah, if Louis listening to this from Figma, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the, speaking of just props and uh, com- component properties, and uh, wanted to talk about nested instances and subcomponents a, a little bit more in Figma. There's, I think, there's a little bit of a problem uh, where, similar to how we were talking about. Uh, infinite flexibility, like you're able to create these Uber components now that are able to produce 
everything that you want ever in your life. And I, I think it's very, um, it's very naive maybe, or, or it's very, um, popular also, uh, for designers that are like Figma wizards to, to do this sort of thing, because it's like a, a more singular source of truth, uh, that, is less work for us as maintainers to maintain. And, and I've seen a few folks that I've worked with and, and even have thought I've, have gone down this, this uh, rabbit hole myself. So I just wanted to hear what your point of view on these uh, Uber components were. We, we did that with our pin component and I can speak to the first iteration of it. Uh, and I think this is where this is probably a good place to, to state that I think I believe that Figma libraries are a tool. Uh, and a tool has an experience associated with it. And I am a big believer that the simpler the tool, typically the better. And it's, that's my, like a hammer is great. It's got a freaking handle. It's got a big ass piece of metal on the other side. You can drive a, a nail. That's what it does. And so to that end, I think Figma libraries are the same thing. We, the first pass on our pin component, we had a, a great, a production designer take a pass at it and it could do anything. But the problem is it could do anything. And in order to do anything, it had every single setting possible, which from a Figma creation standpoint was, you know, uh, quite the feat, but it was incredibly difficult for designers to understand how to use that. So what we had to do is say, look, like it doesn't have to do everything probably even shouldn't do everything. It just needs to do the, the, the core, the core things that a designer needs it to do to fulfill their workflow. So, you know, how can we cut this down dramatically to cover 80% of the use cases so that, you know, sure those, those 20% of use cases, you're kind of up a Creek. We'll deal with that. We'll be okay with that. As long as that 80% use cases, you know, bingo bongo, super easy to do super fast, super clear. And so to that end, it's, it's, if you are going to take on those Uber components, I would say, take a very reductive view, uh, a reductive approach to how you make those things and just have it do the core use cases as well as possible, because you can go down a, an ugly rat hole of just, it does this, it does that. And then next thing you know, it's, it's spaghetti and it's hard to get yourself out. So yeah, we typically try to keep it as simple as humanly possible and just do, the core thing well. Yeah, recently had a conversation with some friends of the podcast from US Bank. Angelina, what's up? Jamer, what's up? Uh, but it was about inputs. And yeah, I, I felt like <clears throat> I spent the better part of February uh, doing what was my life's work, which was designing an Uber input component. And I, I knew going into the it, into this that there's different inputs that we have that are distinct React components. So uh, I'll preface that uh, there's distinct React components for this. So there's a text input, there's a like numeric input, there's a currency input, and there's reasons for this. And I think working with um, other designers uh, that had uh, joined the team, they would say, why don't you just build one component and just be able to swap iconography and like trailing, uh, leading icons, that sort of thing. Well, there's specific rules in place for the input component. It only accepts numbers. There's a specific numeric icons, uh, that, that go in this. So I think, um, constraining these, um, components to do very specific things 
is fine. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a perfect use case for splitting them up. Um, I do have a base component that's under there that has all these different configurations that I just embed in, in like a parent, a parent component. So I do, uh, have uh, almost a Uber input component, but I've wrapped it in these different different wrappers and different use cases. We, um, our philosophy is a is a uh, mile wide, inch deep approach to components. So we have small, we have many smaller purpose built components because, from an engineering standpoint, it's it reduces the complexity pretty significantly. To that end, we try to map that. Um, within design as well. Um, and that has rankled some folks because, you know, like there's all these components. I don't know which one to use. Totally get it. Um, but it goes back to once you have that conversation and you're saying I used an input and the engineer said, yeah, what friggin' input (laughs) I need, like which one, uh, and to the fact that the, you know, the Figma files are not just for designers. Engineers need to use those things and understand how to execute on it. We we were willing to take the hit on some comprehension issues of like yeah we have a lot of fields we do uh, but once you understand how to use it uh, a using each individual component is going to be a lot simpler and b when you when you give it to an engineer they're going to say oh that's a that's a text field that's a text area right like I know how to implement I know which thing to implement because you said it and so it's it's where are you going to take the hit kind of thing is it is it you know are you going to make designers happy and engineers not happy or vice versa? It's someone's going to be, someone's going to be upset. Usually it's just a matter of how and why you, 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 you pick that. Yeah. The inputs was, I think a good example where there were composed unique components for each different use case. So that I think hats off to the engineers three to four years ago that, that did that. But yeah, if I was new and I wanted to make an input, and there wasn't distinct examples. Shit, I, I wouldn't know the difference between a text input versus a selector uh, versus a uh, text area. There would it would be the wild west, right? And I would just make anything, uh, anything I want. So I think the more um, prescriptive we could be, like for things that have intentionality, I think the the, the better. Yeah, and I and to that point, I think that. That is the that is the kind of thing that can rankle folks if if it's not communicated clearly and honestly why you're why you're being prescriptive. It's not just to be a jerk and to stifle folks' creativity, but it's it really is the fact that uh, it's going to cause confusion, especially for new employees or especially for folks that don't see that design uh, as to why why that thing is that thing. So it's, yeah, that's the, that's the challenge. I was hoping a child was coming in. So I made it. No, so it's, faces. it's my damn dog. My damn dog <laughs> is losing her mind over there. Uh, and yeah, it's, she's still a pop and she, uh, she just goes psycho at about this time. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was like text components. So we, at Disney, we didn't have any text components. So we had text, uh, you know, tokens, uh, and then we would allow, unfortunately, all different permutations of combinations of texts possible. Uh, in my system now, we have a text component and text pairing. So the text pairing would be a combination of two text components t- 
together uh, that are um, already approved just to alleviate uh, any sort of uh, ambiguity and uh, make things a little more easy when we're doing like um, reviews and such. I just wanted to get your thoughts on text components. On Well, yeah, it's funny because we don't have text components. We have text styles, um, but we don't have text components. And a lot of that has to do with uh, with just can we get folks to drag a text component on onto the canvas as opposed to just using the text tool and given how baked that baked that behavior is into the, into our habits. So it would be, life would be a lot easier if we did have text components, but I just don't have a lot of faith that they would get used. Now we could theoretically swap those. If we had a a plugin, uh, you know, we could, we could replace text nodes with text components but that gets tricky too because you know you start replacing stuff and if you get it wrong once out of a hundred times you're gonna you know it's not gonna be a happy day so we haven't we haven't broached that subject yet i love it and it goes back to like it would make our lives a lot easier but i'm not confident it would make designers lives easier at this point no it's it's one of those things i think that you start with and then you you could sort of bake in adoption and get people to use it and that sort of thing. But it, it seems like a much more expensive thing to um, roll back, like if it didn't if it didn't exist. Yeah, it's it's yeah. And there's so many there's so many different variations of of type treatments, and I think that's the thing that gets really tricky. So we've just we've just let that one go for the time being because it's it's we've got other. We got other fish to fry. Yeah, well, if your type ramp, like you suggest, is only five weights, then this wouldn't be a problem, right? And I wish it was four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd like it to be less. But yeah, that's that's the other thing is it just gets harder and harder as as you add more options. It can do anything. Uh, that's typically a recipe for making things very difficult to uh, maintain. Yeah, well, we're approaching, I think, 40 minutes on, on this one because I, I love components, right? You love, Well, and what's funny is we, we, we said components, but what we really meant was Figma components. We didn't speak much to the code-based components. It was really Figma components. Figma components, yeah. So I must love, so maybe Figma is a design system to me in, in a sense, but I, I love... I mean, <laughs> actions speak louder than words, buddy. <laughs> Says the guy in the Figma hat and the Figma hoodie today. You have a Figma hoodie too. Jeez, wow! You don't uh, you don't play. You got your uh, you got your swag on, uh, and you got a Disney shirt on. Man, you're just like you're slamming those brands today. Oh, uh, well, thank you, PJ, for another spirited discussion. Thank you very much. Props to you. <laughs> Props to you. <laughs> <laughs>